Hello, this is Zach Baggins. I am sorry you hate me so much, but I love your podcast, Mothers of Mayhem. It is very spooky and it scares me so. Oh Christ, I've just made in my pants. So I drink till the night becomes another day and the day's just another little thing in our way. There's something about the way you beat me down that I'll never learn. You're the pint of no return. The pain in my chest, the stain on your dress, the glass in my eye. But this life is a joke and death is the punch. I Welcome to Mothers of Mayhem. Hi. Hi, guys. How are you all? We're all right. We're doing our best. Um, It's Sunday. It is Sunday. Sunday fun day, you know. Sunday fun day. Gotta get that. Gotta get that Jesus in so you can sin for the rest of the week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's Palm Sunday. This is a very important day. Um, so you all can probably uh catch that at this point. This recording is happening about four weeks prior to when it's actually going to air. Indeed, um, indeed. indeed. I am going to apologize up front if for both my appearance and my lower energy level. By the time this, would you knock it off? Club, stop, poophead. Um, by the time this airs, it will likely be common knowledge that my body is in the process of creating another uh, bundle of mayhem, which is. Or three, which is fantastic and a blessing, and we are very excited. Um, but as most women who go through the first trimester of pregnancy will tell you, I'm not having a great time right now. <laughs> I'm very, very tired. I'm very tired, and the intense waves of nausea seem to come and go rather rapidly and frequently. So um, if I'm a little bit more quiet or a little bit lower energy on this episode, that's why. Uh, But today today we will be conversing with the multi-talented author and 12 million year old deciduous tree and human hybrid, Jasper Bark. We're doing this again. Doing oh my gosh, again. we you know, I don't know what you're talking about. I have no idea what you're talking about right now. Um Jasper Bark is the ancient love child of a magical oak tree and an absolute genius of a Neanderthal. And if you were not aware of that before, then I'm sorry. I thought it was pretty common knowledge that that's how things are. So there were Neanderthals 12 million years ago? I do not know and I do not care. What I do know okay. Okay. is that Jasper is an actual tree person. And you cannot convince me otherwise. I, I just want to know 
what mold is in your house or what what shenanigans like carbon dioxide what is, what is happening that you think people are tree people that's my question what what's happening at your house that you think people aren't tree people that's my question i'm not drugged i think i think in this situation i'm the one that's woke as fuck <laughs> i don't know if that's such a good thing though I don't know. I don't know if that's such a positive in 2022 anymore. Like, like are you tipping over to the suck it? You know I mean? like, I don't know. Do you want to hear some absolute lies that I found on the web? Go ahead. Tell us your lies. Tell them. Okay. Okay. So he has written 12 children's books. That is written- true. That is mm-hmm. true. He has written hundreds of comic books and graphic novels. He has been translated into nine languages. Nine languages. Yep. And he has won many, many awards. He is very, he has many awards, many, many awards. And he does ghost tours. Oh, that's right. He does. Yeah. My little clip-on ring light is dying, so you keep talking, and I'm going to... That's okay. My kids are being loud and obnoxious. I just so... want to make sure there's plenty of good light on my hideous face. <laughs> and everybody, I'm, like, messing with my arm. I'm not having a heart attack, I promise. It's just the way I slept because I've been sleeping on the air up mattress downstairs because the kids have been sick, I've been sick, and I want to be, you know, close to tea and honey and nonsense without waking everybody in the house up that's legit that's legit you're good don't worry about this don't worry about this a good mom there that's better yeah so yeah those those are my lies on jasper um what have you been reading oh i read ash eric moore's mama finally and it was fantastic it was so good i loved it it was yeah, great. I like it, Daddy better. I'm gonna be honest. Like as he goes, every single one gets better. Daddy is hilarious. I have it, and I definitely do need to read it. Um, I am going to try. I was gonna start this one yesterday and didn't get mm-hmm. to it, and then I told myself I was going to get to "You've Lost a Lot of Blood" by Eric Laraca today and then still haven't gotten to it because my brain hurts yeah but um after i get through this one i'm gonna sneak in daddy and necro sutra by kevin sweeney and then i'm gonna bump to exits by the gore boys i haven't gotten mine yet written in red podcast fellas well maybe you'll have yours by the time i get around to reading it let me know when it comes we can read it together yeah, because um, my I ordered mine from Jack Bandy because I was so afraid that they were going to run out. Yes. Um, author con. Yes. But what have you been reading? I have three I want to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Tell me all about um, it. Number one. And I'm going to try this one. So Rain and Ash, if I screw it up, I apologize. Malefic? I think it's that. Malefic. 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 Um. It's so good. Oh my God. It comes out May 19th. Um, it is a slip and slide extravaganza. 
extravaganza. Make sure you've got your laundry going because it's going to be, it's going to be hot and spicy. It's a muy caliente, if I may. And then um, Genital Grinder by Ryan Harding. Look, I'm going to, I'm going to preface this with, I am a huge Ryan Harding fan now. Now, he knows, he knows. I DM him a lot and I'm like, hey, now we're friends because you haven't blocked me. <laughs> That's on you. Now you um, can't stop me. Our friendship he, is forever. He sent me a message and he was like, hey, I saw what you did with, um, you know, your literary background with Chandler Morrison. Do you want to take a look at my new one coming out? Um, Transcendental Mutilation. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm sorry. How, how do you know who I am? Like, <laughs> I may have passed out. And then brought myself back because I actually, when he sent that, I said, number one, holy shit, how do you know who I am? Like, you know, um, Genital Grinder is the most disturbing stories I've ever read in my life. But there's so much to each story. You've got to look past like the gore and the all the buttholes. There's a lot of buttholes in it. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, like I have it, I have it tabbed. I'll get it when we break and I'll bring it in and just show it really fast when so we're with I just want to know what color are the buttholes? Purple. Purple buttholes. Purple. Yeah, purple. And then last but not least, um, I found another filthy heart murderer. Um, Tommy Clark in Good Boy. Like I tried to talk to him about it and about how it affected me and I was typing and I was crying just typing to him about how because I I'm not a huge animal lover like I appreciate animals I think they're beautiful but I'm not like it give me all the animals that's not who I am this book affected me affected me and then when you read the acknowledgments and you realize that he kind of wrote that he wrote it for his dad um can you hear them they're just that's I just had to kick another neighborhood kid out of my house because we have a no 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 having friends over on school night rule Mm -hmm. Uh. so those are those are my three that um they are not going to be prepared for malefic that is that is spicy that is slip and slide that is shame boners in public (laughs) And if you don't know what I'm referring to as a slip of the slide, think about a woman. Yeah. And that surprises me coming from Ash. Yeah. All of it. He writes dirty stuff too. Spicy. Spicy stuff. Um, his sick fucks is pretty spice sometimes. Spice. Hold on one second for me, friend. I can. I'll just keep talking. I'll just keep yakking about books. So going back to Genital Grinder, um, Vaughn and Greg are probably two of my new favorite characters. They are terrible monsters. They, um, but they're so funny and so witty. We're just like staring at Mary and yelling at children. And we're just going to keep talking about books because that's what we do. Um, yeah, now I got nothing. I got nothing now. I was just talking about genital grinder and about how long. Hang on. Like, I'm going oh, to, I need to, I need to watch this. I need to watch her. 
there's boys outside that are trying to bother this little girl. I need to go watch her get, I need to escort her to the next house over. Okay. I will allow Hold it. Hold on. I'm going to pause the recording. Woo-woo, where were we? We were talking about my love for Ryan Harding. Mm-hmm. So um, this is just half of the book. I didn't get to the other half, but this is just the first hundred pages. Purple for buttholes. Purple is for buttholes. And then pink is for gaping anus, oh, which wow. is a which is a movie that they talk about. So it's not um, just buttholes. It's buttholes plus gaping oh, anuses. So wow. It really then, sounds complex. <laughs> and then there are so many plot twists, so many plot twists and turns and humor and just, did I just read what I think I read? Well, this, dang. Now I got to order this, this one too. I'm telling you, so I'm actually reading um, Transcendental Mutilation right now, and I'm reading the new poetry collection coming out in August from Mike Ennenbach. I will mm-hmm. not make I will not make poor Mike blush again, but he knows how much I adore him and love him <laughs> and his words. And I'm actually my first tattoo will probably be some of his own words. Wow! Some of his or no, well- it's from Cuckoo. You shall honor him deeply. And then he'll be like, so there's this crazy bitch who decided. And everybody's going to be like, it's Christina. Yeah, we know about her. She's harmless. <laughs> Wait, please, don't look at my record, people. I have a record. Uh, 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 well, do you want to get Jasper in here? So maybe someone can make some sense today and I can stop fangirling over all these people and they can stop you know threatening the idea of restraining orders yeah I guess so with with all sincerity Jasper Park is one of the dearest people I've ever met in my life he is an incredible author of dark fiction for adults oh god yeah and like you said he's written multiple children's books including mr was not his which my clarky actually did his first tiktok book review on my little man um also he is an ancient oak tree person and i am pretty sure he was the tree of good and evil in the garden of eden i can see that for that yeah. i can see i can yeah. see that can did see you that. know that one of his legs was used to make the manger that baby jesus was laid in Nope, we're done. Go ahead and bring him in. But the leg, the leg grew back Mm-mm. though. Nope, bring him in. Bring him in. But it did. Why? Why? Why don't you like treat people, Christina? Um, a lot of people already know that I am not a tree hugger fanatic. Chuck those trees down. Give me more books. Dead book bodies. Okay, so just so you all know, we are establishing right here now that Christina is prejudiced against tree people. I am, 100%. Burn them down. Chop them. Get rid of them. I'm going to tell him you said that. Let's get the tree man in here. Here we go! I mean, I write some stuff. I write some stuff. I do some words. Yeah, occasionally. Well, Great interview, guys. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's it. That's this, this, this episode of Mother's Ma'am. 
<laughs> Hope you enjoy. Welcome, Jasper Bark, prolific author and 12 million year old. Hi, Jasper Bark. Did you hear that? That was precious and adorable. Oh, hi there. <laughs> oh, it's Spider Girl. Oh, it is. Spider Girl. <laughs> is that not Spider Gwen? I like it is. She said she likes you, Jasper. Oh, thank you. I like you too. The, just the fact that you're dressed up as Spider Girl or Spider Gwen, is it? I'm Saris. This, is Saris. Interview. this interview Saris. isn't about you. Oh, no, it's cool. You can join us. <clears throat> I, I love your Spider Girl. I used to have um, a set of uh, a Spider Man costume when I was about your age as well. And I, I would wear it to bed, but it was nowhere near as good as your one. It's okay. It's okay. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's just like, keep, and keep talking. Of mayhem. <laughs> now she's well, the reason why I am a mother of mayhem. Oh, <laughs> uh, you talk. Yeah, we're talking. I, I talk quite a bit. He sometimes. writes too. We're gonna make you him talk write? some more too. I write books I, on this keyboard. <gasps> this very keyboard right here. I write hideous, horrible things. Really nasty, scary things. You know things what? I'll play you. you read. I will play you one of his books when we get done. Oh, I have yeah, one of his books on audio. Books as well. Yeah, Clarky, Clarky loves Mr. Jasper's books. Oh, thank you. He has a book called Mr. Waznatis that Clarky loves. You're going to like it too. And I have it. So we can listen to it later. <clears throat> We're going to ask him some questions now. Him. Okay, Sarah. Can we ask him some questions? Do you have any questions for him? Do you have a question? Yeah. What's your question? Um, uh, Spider-Man. Yeah. Spider what about Spider-Man? Spider-Man? What about it? Um. See? He, we can't see that. From your web spinner. Hey, can you go with dad and let me do this and then we'll listen to the book later? I'll be right back. Oh, she'll be right back. <laughs> After this message from our sponsors. Right. <laughs> well, welcome to the Mothers of Mayhem, Mr. Jasper Marshall. Prolific so author and 12 million year old deciduous tree person. We are so happy to have you. We are. Can I, can I, can I just say this is my second time on the show because the first yes. time we did this, we had a technical glitch. Yes, I we all say, failed. I have <laughs> undergone intensive psychological training. You will not break me down like you did last time. I will not cry and I will not give away. Any secrets like I did last time in Bengal? He cried. He like cried seven different times. He cried seven now, times. Now, see, in that time, I have also upped my game and done no. a lot more training in neuro-linguistic programming. So you, sir, are effed. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not giving away any secrets. I'm certainly not. The time that I posed as a nun and lived in a nunnery for four years before they caught me standing up and peeing in the font. What was your Oops. what was your uh, your name, sister? Um, sister what? Sister Meretricious. Sister oh, Meretricious. Okay. That makes sense. That sounds. That's. I was going to say that, that checks that, out. I was, that that tracks. It feels very on brand. <laughs> very good in a wimple. I bet you do. I bet you do. 
Well, now that we've got you and we're in your head, we're yep, going to yep. ask you a bunch of questions. Now, I'm going to let I'm going to let that lady go first. I don't know who she is. I forget her name. But she's going to ask no, you the first no. questions. Okay. So, go ahead, lady. Lady who nobody Whoever knows. you are. Right. <laughs> that Christina. Oh, is that her name? Thanks. Yeah, <laughs> that's my name. That's and when I'm not in Tijuana, Mexico. So that's all I can say about that. Um, so I love plays. I that's that's one of my favorite forms of writing is plays, plays and poems. And you wrote plays. I wrote plays. Um, much to my sadness, some of them are not available. Um, one play called Fuck the State caused quite a ruckus. A ruckus, all caps, underlined exclamation points. Can you tell us a little bit about the play and what happened? Yeah, Fuck the State is the short title. Uh, the full title was Fuck the State in Five Easy Lessons. Um, and... Um, <laughs> It grew out of the fact that at the time I, I was asked to write the play, I was also doing a lot of sketch comedy. Um, and actually, just about everybody that was in my sketch comedy group went on to win awards and ended up on television. I was kind of like you know Pete Best from the Beatles, the drummer who never. That that was kind of me <clears throat> for my own group that I set up. But um, I'm not bitter. Okay. <clears throat> but right about the time um, I was asked to write uh, a play. For, for a theatre company uh, that's quite well known called Hungry Horse. Um, and I came up uh, with an idea of actually mixing together um, sketch comedy uh, with an ongoing narrative. So the, the narrative was an ongoing storyline and it broke and it went into um, breaking the fourth wall and the uh, characters began to address the audience and they were giving them like a series of lessons and then they would cut back to the main storyline. Um, and in this case, it was about a group of Occupy Wall Street types um, who had been out on a march and it was an anti-fascist march. So these are basic Antifa types. But this is back in the 90s um, and they go off on this march and they come back to the, the squatted apartment uh, that they, they're inhabiting. And they find that through a ridiculous series of circumstances, uh, a WPC, which is a, a woman police constable, has called completely by accident fallen over, broken her neck and died. They, they come back um, and in a drug-fueled paranoia, they panic and think we can't possibly report this death because they'll just think we've murdered this because we're all well-known um, uh, anti-state types. So they think we want to hide the body and then through a ridiculous series of, of circumstances, they end up having to dismember the body and then in order to cover their tracks, even though they're all absolute complete vegans, they end up cooking the body and eating the body. Wow, I love a great cannibal farce. At the time, it got me into a lot of trouble. Uh, there is, it, it was, it premiered. No. The, um, yes. <laughs> the, um, yeah, the tabloid press over here in Britain had a field day because it, it, um, it premiered at one of the major venues at the Edinburgh International Festival. Um, and it was it was nominated for one of the Oscars, which is called a Fringe First. Every year they hand them out. But the play was so controversial and it had so much 
bad publicity um, in the tabloid press. And the police jumped on this and started to harass. Because uh, when you're at Edinburgh, in order to drum up audiences, there's hundreds of um, tourists flooding the place, but there's almost as many actors um, performing in every single available space you can think of. So you have to hit the streets and you have to hand out leaflets endlessly all day long just to get them to come and watch you in your like five minute show. Oh my God. Um, I had a one man show doing my stand up act at the time. And while they, um, the actors in my show were um, uh, also doing a play and I was walking up the Royal Mile, which is like the main drag in Edinburgh, handing out leaflets, desperately wanting people to come to my show. Um, my actors across the other side of the road were doing a little bit of street theatre and they were playing it. They're all dressed as kind of very crusty, dreadlocked, Tristafarian types. Oh, I love cyberpunk. Um, they, they were handing out leaflets. <laughs> and this, um, this black Mariah, which is an unmarked police vehicle, pulled up and all these police officers like jumped out of the black Mariah, surrounded them like kettling and then just arrested them took them off the street put them in for handing out leaflets to advertise the show because the tabloid press by this point had gotten really really cross about the fact that we were um pretending to eat police officers on stage and they they arrested my cast right and i know i was standing there handing leaflets thinking, oh, what charges none and they were they were just quite literally taken to the station harassed for an hour and then released for no reason they just didn't want them on the high yeah. street with this controversial show, which was packing in the audiences, but annoying the... Um... That's fascism. <laughs> <laughs> they basically just reinforced the whole theme of the show. Um, that, and that's what's so interesting, yeah. In an international festival in, in the middle of the free world, and also Scotland is kind of like, it's the slightly more enlightened... Right? Britain. And uh, so a lot more liberal minded and progressive up there but i'm watching something that looks like it's out of like some 1980s eastern block um like stasi jumping out <laughs> thing and... <laughs> I was like, the play i was like uh, i was kind of <laughs> it was also well it's good. what do you do excuse me officer actually i wrote this jolly jake would you would you mind not arresting my actors please or I mean, or you could have been or you could have been like Oh my God, those guys are in so much trouble. <laughs> I, I'm not with them. <laughs> I don't know them. <laughs> oh. Oh my God, look at those losers. <laughs> publicity. But even interestingly, when the, um, the festival was on, it, it, all the venues, there was show after show, they're backed up. Um, and there's several stages at each uh, individual venue. And we were at the Pleasance, which is one of the top two venues. Um, but so people wait around in the courtyard for their show to come on. And somebody comes out who works for the venue and shouts, the house is now open for Man and Superman. Or the house is now open for Romeo and Juliet. And they had to come out and put, with my show because they didn't want to assault people. The house is now open for <clears throat> the stage. And people go, oh, wait, I'm, I'm, is, is, is the right. I was going to say, is there a general understanding amongst <laughs> the members of that community that <clears throat> means fuck? It depended, you see. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like the Scots understand that uh, pretty much anything can mean fuck. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think the English just filled in the blank. <laughs> so 
so they um they just got used to um uh, <laughs> basically the kind of the the euphemism <clears throat> and we were making suggestions if you can't say fuck you could say fuss the state you know or fluff the state or fruck the state and they wouldn't they wouldn't take our suggestions frick it no, fuck the state the state flop 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 the state flop the state yeah i, I, could, I could do this for hours mm. <laughs> we actually got we got somewhat um in a different altered state of consciousness one night myself and the cast and we wrote a list of like 100 suggestions beginning with f that you could single letter single syllable words you could say instead but they they did not take us seriously we can't think why was it there also an issue with this um wherein you all were actually like eating eating people um yeah we did we before the show went on we did actually announce the that <laughs> we'd found we actually found a loophole in the law whereby <laughs> were you to donate your body to to artistic causes um for instance a few years later there were a whole load of bodies that were donated um to that that traveling uh um, oh, yeah body worlds yeah yeah dr gunther <laughs> yes exactly you can donate your body both to medical science and also to artistic causes so we said should anybody happen to pass because we're all method actors even though we're all vegan i don't think they were all vegans actually they were just playing big vegans um we should like somebody to donate a body to us and this apparently was completely beyond the pale they couldn't have that at all no 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 this is disgusting. Uh, what? This is art. Is it is art? This is what you call art? They were saying in the tub. So it is mildly avant-garde. <laughs> think about it. I think it was mildly. I think it was no, massively. It was taking the P-I-S-S by the gallon. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> in an avant-garde way. In an avant-garde way. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you say, you know? <laughs> 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 Once upon a time. So was there actual like blood and guts on stage when you guys did this? Was there like actual chopping up of the body on stage? It was, it was very not Grand Guignol. But uh, the way it was written, all of it was done off stage. We didn't, weren't actually going to dismember. Partly because you kind of then get into issues of violence against women, even if somebody... Somebody was playing a, a, the the body. Oh, of the that's doctor. true. So we kept um, so we kept everything off stage. It was all entirely implied, and actually, it gets funnier if you don't see it on stage. If you just mm -hmm. hear it, and it was all about the guilt of of the um, and and the, the way they rationalise this situation, whereby they're trying to work out that um, if she fell over um, and actually knocked herself unconscious and possibly stopped um, severed the brainstem before she died. That would have made her brain dead, which technically would have made her a vegetable. So technically, they are actually asking me. Did you publish this? Is this available? I want to read it. Interesting. I looked. No, I've actually never published it. Um, oh, to... please do. Give it to Drew. He'll throw it up on Godless for you in a heartbeat. He probably would, wouldn't he? He would, especially with the title, like, Fuck the State. <laughs> <laughs> Right? He'd be like, I don't even like, need I'm to read it. I'm putting it up care. right now. Don't even care. It was slightly ahead of his time because it, um, in terms of the politics, I, I kind of got it in the net because I was taking the mickey out of a lot of very left-wing causes. Everybody was taking mickey out of right-wing causes. 
and a kind of the extremes of both sides who came to the show to mm -hmm. kind of to sneer or to cheer um kind of did want to take me to a corner and give me a jolly good lecture about uh, either i needed to brush up my dialectics and, and really wasn't up to date with what was going on in the world or this was just shocking and beyond the pale of really how could you um, but interestingly, a lot of the things that we were talking about, which weren't seen as being massively prevalent at the time, such as surveillance culture, um, such as currency speculation, which we take, have now become incredibly. Um, mm -hmm. So I was a tiny bit ahead of my time. It, and it's um, it's only been revived once. And that was, ooh, again, about 20 odd years ago. So I think it's time for a third revival. <sighs> I think it is. Absolutely. If, if, it, if there is anything we can do to make the general public uncomfortable, especially this we, are, because... we are all in. <laughs> I don't, I don't think you understand how, how much of a play collection that I have. Really? If, I have a huge play collection. Not actually. I love it. Up in my bedroom. Yes, I have. Cause um, I, I acted for many years. I have never acted, but I love reading and analyzing I'm a nerd. <laughs> I have it's done both. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I have both acted and read and analyzed. <laughs> See, that's my because I actually took. This is why I'm such a nerd for courses. Instance Dollhouse. Right. Uh, I feel like that's so stereotypical. I, 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 I have to confess. Uh, oh, sure, I not really. That's to tell you. Don't feel bad. I haven't read that one either. He handed, he handed writer of visceral fiction. I don't read Ibsen. How dare you? Yeah. <laughs> How dare you find the... the oh. I know what you speak. Uh, uh, well, you know, speaking of things that make people uncomfortable since, like, accidentally murdering and then eating a uh, another human might make some people mildly uncomfortable. Let's talk about geriatric sex. Okay. I love <laughs> the bed of the crimson joy. <laughs> I love the bed of the crimson joy. And when I went into that book, it handed me a lot more than I expected. <laughs> So just to give the people a basic rundown, The Bed of the Crimson Joy is a, would you say novella, novelette? What would you say as far it's as length? Kind of, it's sort of, it's all story. It's a very short novella. Yes, yes. Um, but it's about this lovely older couple who agree to house sit for their neighbors. And while they're in there, they get a little curious. They go upstairs to the bedroom. This, there's this gorgeous ornate seemingly hand-carved four-poster bed and they take advantage of it and then the bed takes horrific advantage of them and as a pregnant woman <laughs> the end of this book is one of the most horrific things I can possibly imagine if you have ever been a pregnant woman or if you are pregnant now you might want to I don't know it depends on uh depends on how much you insert yourself into this story when you're reading. Oh, how much was inserted into you just no sorry excuse me but i'm very curious what was your inspiration for this story because it is it is pretty wild my dude thank you very much you're so welcome 
The inspiration came from the fact that on either side of, I live in a little weaver's cottage, a 17th century weaver's cottage okay. out in the West Country. And on either side of me are two very lovely um, older retired couples. And one in particular was, um, unfortunately the husband has now passed away, but, uh, and, and uh, it's extremely lovely. And they were like a surrogate grand um, parents to our children when they were younger. Aww. The house sat for us, they looked after our pets, they watered our plants. Whenever we went on holiday, they were really, really absolutely fabulously lovely. And there was one time we were we were going away um, and I'd handed over the keys to them and said goodbye. And they were sort of waving goodbye very lovely to us and we were pulling away my girls. In the back of my mind, that evil, nasty, vicious viper as part of my brain <laughs> I depend upon for my livelihood started going, what if the minute they're gone, the minute you're gone, like just five minutes from now, you're around the corner, they're up in your bed, like going like really doing the dirty. <laughs> Well, most people, you see, they have like an off switch. They have like an iron curtain which drops on chunk. That's it. No, thank you very much. That button is missing from my brain. It's like you go to the console and stop! It's gone. It's just like there's a big, sorry, this is under um, construction. So I'm looking for the stop button and nothing, this this film is playing in my head. And it's like, stop! I don't know! No! Um, and my wife's my kids are going. And inside my head is this geriatric porn with two people that are lovely. And I'm thinking, and they're doing things on my bed sheets that are kind of making me think, that's it, I can never go near my marital bed again. Um, eventually, this starts playing out of my head. And my wife's like, oh dear, he's gone off again. And I'm thinking, and, but it just wouldn't leave my head. And it was deeply disturbing. And I thought, wait, 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 wait. If this is deeply disturbing to me, then this is going to deeply disturb other people. There's a beginning of a story here. Yeah. So that was the point at which, and then, so then you start thinking, right, okay, so... A couple goes next door to their, their house sitting for a, a younger couple. They discover um, a beautiful bed in their house. Uh, and they have, wait, there's got to be consequences of this. So what are these consequences? And then you start thinking, so why do these consequences come about? What happens and where does it go to? And I wanted to play about um, in that story with subgenres. Most of my work um, tends to span one or two subgenres. Um, and I like to mash them up, but sometimes I like to make them do different things. So I was actually mashing together the um, quiet horror, extreme horror and erotic horror, but I, um, yeah. quiet horror makes you uneasy and it makes you very unsettled. Um, and it, it's disturbing on a quiet psychological basis. Extreme horror obviously is ex very, very gory and makes right. you look You hit it pretty hard with the body horror at the end of this one. Like it hits you like- Yeah, well, it's probably wow. actually extreme probably was more body horror I think you're absolutely right um and uh, but I wanted to achieve um those ends but by using different subgenres. so I wanted the erotic elements to actually make you feel intensely uneasy and perhaps the quiet horror elements were the elements that actually that was weirdly slightly more erotic um and I, I wanted to, it to continually slightly just keep you off kilter so I, I um I, one of the lovely comments I get time and again in reviews, either from um, podcasters, from bloggers, or um, Goodreads and Amazon reviews, is I picked this up and I thought within the first few pages, I know exactly where this is going. Right. And then <laughs> I've, got, I've got no idea where this is guy's going, and I could not have guessed where it ended up. Um, and 
I wanted that story to do that with you. So you're slightly on the wrong foot. Okay, I'm engaged, everybody. But where the hell is this limited going with this? Well, there's the whole chaos magic aspect to it. There's that character who's very Crowl Alistair Crowley-esque. But then the the part that really affects you the most, well, affected me the most, was that you have this woman who all she's ever wanted in her entire life was to have this one thing. And then at this age, she finally gets that gift that she's been begging the universe for. And it turns into just the worst possible nightmare anyone could ever imagine and it really just gets you so hard <laughs> it's like oh man now i'm feeling feelings on top of all of this right. Thank you. damn it but the thing is um, it, it, she's a tragic heroine it really is um and um the, but the uh horror we tend to think horror is is, is really the lowest of genres horror sits marginally half a step above pornography in most people's minds. Mm -hmm. so on the other end of the scale, in great um, classical literature, the absolute apotheosis, the apex of man's, it has to be man's, it's not kind of humankind's, of man's um, uh, uh, literary um, output is, of course, the tragedy. And if mm -hmm. you look at most tragedies, classical tragedies, from Oedipus going all the way through to Macbeth, uh -huh. um, they all involve some element of uh, paranormal. There's huge things are um, with, um, uh, things are set up and prophesied before they actually um, come to bear. So we know Thanks. we're towards the bad end. The the very worst people come together at the very worst time to make the very worst thing happen. That's a horror story. There's loads of blood, guts, and gore. Um, if you uh, look at the Oresteia. Uh, which is full of people being beheaded in bathtubs. Look at Macbeth, which people being stabbed to death in bedrooms and people wandering around with their hands dripping with blood and somebody going mad because she can't mm -hmm. stop hallucinating blood on her the whole time. In Shakespeare's day, they would have actually used animal blood and had gore spurting all over the place. Horror basically takes the place of what tragedy used to take. But unfortunately, we, it's now these same stories have now been debased from being the absolute pinnacle of man's achievement to the very very worst thing and how <laughs> or even watch that for pleasure oh how wonderful hamlet's on in a minute <clears throat> um and, and hamlet again again sees his dad's ghosts um i've been murdered by your uncle now you have to kill him and by the way also you have to kill half the members of the cast yeah and then i'll i want you to pick up this skull um, off of a corpse and talk to it for 12 minutes yeah, by well, yourself. This guy. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, so um so again, so to a to a degree, um being aware of this and being aware of genre conventions and being aware of other writings, it is it is nice to play with this. And um uh, the name Bed of Crimson Joy um comes from a poem by Blake um, and one of the characters in, is a poet and there's a lot of poetry quoted as well so I was again trying to play with with high literature and kind of very very low literature it does go to an incredibly pulpy low but also it's the most tragic horrible nasty unfair thing you could possibly imagine absolutely um, and and you know Rose is undone by her Hamasha that the one thing she wants most in all the world um, that is something that ought to be really beautiful and very, very wonderful and totally undoes her and it's not yeah. fair. Yep. Nope. It's wonderful. 
Thank you, <laughs> You're so welcome. Go for it, Christina. I have a I have a screaming banshee right now. I mean, we That's were true. talking about Macbeth. And you hear this? It's you a, hear this? It's a Munch painting come to life, isn't it? <laughs> well, um, I can hit you with my second question since she is busy okay. wrangling demons. My all-time favorite short story ever is stuck on you thank you so much and the concept is amazing and that twist at the end is a total banger <laughs> so for people who don't know this short story is about a man who goes into mexico he's supposed to be buying um oh, items for his wife to resell um, and he has a tendency to stray outside of his marriage and he meets a young woman that he wants to stray with and she begs him for a ride across the border. <laughs> and then they go off into the woods together and they start to do a thing and then weather takes its revenge. <laughs> I know what book we're talking about. Oh yeah. And then at the very end, something even worse happens where did this idea come from how um, are you just sitting there you're like i'm gonna write this story about these two people who go fuck in the woods and then they get hit by lightning and fused together there's a lot of sex in his books <laughs> jasper bart it, filthy. Uh, it, it came from it right about the time i was deciding a what sort of writer do i want to be because i spent like the first 10 years of being a, a professional writer was a bit of a hack I started as a journalist, so I wrote whatever anybody paid me to write. And then I kind of became a bit of a hack. And my first four or five novels were really just done for the money. And, and I was learning how to write in public. And then it came about that um, the most successful thing I wrote was horror. And I kind of realized that growing up as a kid, I'd mainly read horror um, and that I probably was a horror writer and, and my best ideas were horror. So I was thinking about and I, I was reading a lot of horror, a lot of horror authors that I actually missed out on, like James Herbert. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, Sean Hudson's another one. Um, and the thing was that they were, what made their novels kind of quite good is they were full of sex and violence. But the, the violence was sometimes quite well written, but the sex was like really badly written. I was thinking, what about, what if you could actually take this incredibly heady mix of sex and violence and try and make it work really, really well, make something that was both horrific, terrifying, pushed you right up to the edge, but also was kind of horny. You, you know, you would want to put it down in the middle and maybe jump on your partner or... <laughs> Funny, but you know, the little bit with the corn really did that for me. <laughs> <laughs> now I don't remember it. So, and at the same time as well, I, I was actually asked to to write a, um, uh, to submit to a, a, a a collection of erotic um, horror stories. And I'd come across um, on uh, a website that was um, looking at Darwin Awards that didn't get mentioned. And there was a kind of an urban myth uh, that a couple were screwing um, on a hillside and they get struck by lightning and the condom melts and fuses them together, which makes no sense whatsoever at all. Actually, wouldn't really kind of work. But it got me thinking that, wait, there's the nub of the story here. So I thought rather than the condom melting, if you just have like, um, like a, a hysterical seizure, 
and the muscles of the vagina can, can collapse, and which also happens if you happen to be struck by lightning. So then uh, if a guy has uh, gone into the woods with someone and then has to crawl back, and it was almost like a shaggy dog story. Um, it was just like one, dr- oh no, what can happen now? No, no, it just, it really cannot get any worse. Oh my God, oh, yeah, it's so- And how, oh no, it, it has got worse. No, it can't get, oh no, it's just yeah. it's worse. Um, and then at the very end, you're like, oh, <laughs> what? <laughs> Actually, that, the ending came to me. I was walking to go pick up my youngest daughter from her ballet class. And I was playing through my mind thinking, well, how does it end? How does it end? How does it end? And suddenly the ending, my, kind of like the, the clouds parted in my brain and, <laughs> and the ending struck me. And I just saw the ending going, oh, my God, that's hideous. <laughs> and then I have a conversation with my mom. Oh, hello, are you? How are you? How's things in <laughs> <laughs> in my mind, <laughs> there is some poor guy fused to a dead drugs mule. <laughs> and the, I can't describe it because I don't want to spot it for you. And they're going, oh, it's lovely day, doing anything nice behind the days. And I'm like, yeah. And I'm just going playing to my mind. And my little guy's going, daddy, 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 daddy. <laughs> Tutu. I love it. Oh, my God. Please don't tell my wife that, really, because the poor woman has no to worry about thinking that was going through your head when you were picking up my children. I feel like she wouldn't be all that surprised, though, by this. Yeah, like, maybe not. I'd <laughs> be like, but I already know. <laughs> Probably kind of what she expected. Right, right. That's what she signed up for. Yeah, well. That's why she loves you. Christina, would you like to ask? I'm back. I'm back. Oh. In the room. Oh my God, these kids. I hope their real mom shows up soon and gets them. <laughs> ridiculous. I am not paid enough to be a nanny, let me tell you. So, my favorite by you <clears throat> is in Beyond Reform with uh, Aaron Beauregard and John Aiken. And it's Midnight Glory. I love Midnight Glory. I'm sorry. I think it's hilarious. I think it's great. It's depraved. It's insane. It's perfect. Um, so two questions. How did the trio of insanity come about? And where did this story come from, Jasper? <laughs> the trio of insanity came about because um, Aaron and I read very, very widely, like you guys um, in the genre, and we love to support other people there in the trenches with us. And we both read each other's collection. He read Stuck on You and the Prime Cuts. I read Dark Assembly. Um, and we both had a bit of a love fest. Gee, you're wonderful. No, no, you're wonderful. No, you're wonderful. And um, he got in touch and said, do you ever do any collaboration? I thought he meant actually writing a story together, but he had this idea where he said, why don't we do a collection of stories together? And then we began chatting about this and he said, should we add one other guy? And we thought about Carver Pike. Um, oh, Carver. Carver couldn't do it at the time. He was too busy, uh, but later on didn't, became less busy but unfortunately the project had moved on a bit but John said yes um and um we based it on there's a wonderful collection by um Edward Lee uh, Jack Ketchum and Richard Lehman who at the time were kind of like the tri- perfect trifecta of proto extreme fiction in that kind of gap between splatterpunk and extreme horror they were kind of like the kings of it. And they brought up this kind of collection called Triage. And we all went, oh my God, I love that collection. So we were kind of trying to do something on those kind of lines. And, and there were lots of different chats. At one point, we thought we might do it like a, 
uh, an EC horror comics uh, comic. <gasps> oh! Um, as, as kind of like mad horror hosts. Oh my Did God, you... I would love that. No, I know. Um, but I've not, I've not let that idea go. Watch this space. Um, regards to that idea but we, we kind of let that go for various reasons we ended, but all ended up and again it's one of those quite cool things when you're working alongside two of the people that you know are really seriously gonna come in with some really good stories and they did um, oh yeah there was one mm. of and i said to Aaron, um like you need to put that at the end because i was like i'm if i'm following that because that's um yeah <laughs> <laughs> involving like um uh, the name of particular corpse shagging that um uh, is, necro um yeah, necrophilia um and John kind of wrote the last one he's like you can't top that um um and those guys they they are machines they they pound out books so they kind of wrote theirs a lot quicker and my stories were kind of a lot longer and took a lot longer to write. And so I was getting a lot of the time going, guys, it is coming. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm nearly finishing it up. And, and my dad died. Um, and I was there, I spent a month at bedside. So I'm I was so kind of- sorry. I know, actually, I was spending all day with my mum by his bedside. In a, we weren't really allowed to be in there either, actually. Technically. Yeah, I used to talk my way into the ward and talk them into actually letting my mum stay by his bedside. Um, but in amongst all that, the Midnight Glory came about. Um, I wanted to write- um, uh, which is a type of French fiction that was around the turn of the last century. Uh, it's kind of a, a millennial thing, so the, like the 19th, 20th century. There are a series of really horrible stories um, of people just being really, really nasty to each other. And they were kind of like the, um, the beginnings uh, of, of the kind of genre that actually gave birth to a lot of the EC horror comics. They described those as Conti Cruel. And usually the... Um, uh, it, the, the worst, the, the, every single Conti Crow story tends to involve some form of breakdown of a relationship. Husband and wife have an argument about something. Um, he's fed the kids tainted meat and he works as a butcher. Um, and you know, we, we end the final scene with um, the woman standing behind the counter and the seven parts of her husband all laid out nicely, all neatly labeled. <clears throat> that type of story. So I sort of thought, I, I want to have a story. So I had a picture in my mind of a couple um, who were or continually taking slices off each other verbally. And then thought, well, what if they were physically doing that? And what mm -hmm. if every single time that they sliced off an ear or, or, or jabbed out an eyeball or that in this relationship that had gone hideously, hideously wrong, um, what if actually they healed within um, hours or minutes from the thing and kept physically torturing each other along with emotionally torturing each other? Mm -hmm. What if, just to make it worse, um, they couldn't actually um, uh, go more than about 100 yards from each other. And, uh, uh, and if they did, then all of the many, many, many wounds they'd inflicted on each other would suddenly open up and start bleeding. And so they, they were forced not just um, to perpetually stab and, and maim each other, but they were forced never to actually be parted from each other. And this played through my mind and um, uh, as a kind of like a, a, an over the top almost kind of like farcical situation and then i began to think okay so why is this happening what how how has this uh, how have they arrived at this situation there's got to be a reason 
why they're in this situation. And I, I was playing about maybe it's it's a curse of some sort, like a weird gypsy curse. Maybe it's nanobots which are knitting them back together again. Maybe it's and um, eventually I thought no, no no wait 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 what it needs is something called a MacGuffin. And now a MacGuffin um, in fictional terms is a device um, or a, an actual physical object of some sort, like a monkey's paw, which grants wishes. Um, or it's it's uh, an object that stops time. It's an egg that if you rattle it stops time. That's a MacGuffin. You don't really doesn't really actually have to explain what it is, but it has some magical device that works as a Deus Ex Machina, and yeah. it, it fixes the plot. MacGuffin. So I thought, well, what kind of MacGuffin could they have? Um, I thought, well, this is me. So, um, it's going to be something ridiculous. And I was thinking about the old um, ancient hand of glory which is um, a hand that's been actually um, severed from a, from a hanged murderer and then treated and then turned into a candle. And if you light it, it will stop time. And I thought, whoa, maybe, maybe something like that. But of course I wasn't gonna use a hand of glory. I was gonna use something quite hideous, <clears throat> even more hideous. Uh, and what I hit upon, um, I eventually ended up um, playing off the, the phrase morning glory and hand of uh, midnight, it became, hand of glory became a, a midnight glory. And I'll say no more about that. But then suddenly those two ideas came together. It was like, oh, yes. And, you know, it's that magical alchemical moment when you get the two things that are missing from a story. They come together. And the thing itself quite quickly. Yeah, it's, it is. <laughs> like I said, it's, it's, it's my favorite out of the entire. It's supposed yeah. to be. It's supposed to be a bit horny, but like, oh, my God, did I just know? Ooh. And just a little bit. Again, the erotic, it's funny too. And, and again, it's supposed to be really, really, really dark humor, but it should make you giggle or laugh out loud. I hope. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, it definitely does. Oh yeah. Because <laughs> and humor, people don't they, get around the, push the boundaries of the audience. You leave them on the brink of laughing because they kind of get hysterical and you laugh to kind of relieve tension. Oh my God, yeah. It's just comedy sort of like slowed down or kind of like twisted to the point whereby the, the laugh becomes like a scream in your throat. That, that it's effectively the same genre. They're just extreme ends of the same thing. So you can always have a touch of horror in comedy um, and you should always have a touch of comedy in horror. Oh, absolutely. What's that to do? It's the, absurd, the absurdity of it is what keeps pushing you along because if you don't mm -hmm. have some of that to relieve the tension, I think we're more likely just to abandon ship. Mm. It's too much. I can't handle this. I got to go. <laughs> your, your fight or flight kicks in and you're like, okay, bye. Right. <laughs> that absurdity lightens it a little bit and you're like, okay, yeah, no, I'm still good. I'm good. I'm good. But um, in comedy, the key to comedy, of course, is timing. And timing is all about building and relieving it just the right moment. And of yeah. course, horror is exactly the same thing. It's about building up tension and atmosphere and relieving it, not with a laugh necessarily, but a scream. So you're effectively doing this. And then, of course, pornography, which we can call it erotic if you like, but basically it's pornography, um, is the same thing. And that builds up tension for the obvious release right. based around the same... Which is why they go together so beautifully when handled correctly. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. With the, the greased hands of a master or mistress. <laughs> well, Christina, <laughs> I asked both my questions. Do you have any I, other? I asked 
I asked both of mine as well. Oh, but right. I do, I do want to go back to one thing really fast. I'm not going to pronounce it correctly, so I'm not even going to try. But it started with a G, and we were talking about it. Conjugio. Yeah. That's it. Can you break that down for us? It's a term that people use, and it's uh, it's like when you take pornography and you don't call it porn, you call it erotica, which kind of makes yeah. it for nice middle class people to read it. Um, the term grand guignol, because it's French and because it's a tiny bit old, is a way of taking extreme horror and gore, splatter <laughs> and and grand guignol. But grand guignol was what is the name of a theatre in 19th century Paris um, that opened up the very, very end um, of the 19th century. Uh, they opened up this theatre and it was going to be, it was going to tell really nice, nasty, gritty kitchen sink dramas about working class people who have been oppressed by the system. And they opened it up and they put all these plays about, it's horrible. Oh, la petite bourgeoisie, c'est un repressing ass. We are the proletariat, it is our and then nobody <laughs> really it was <laughs> off, off, off Broadway. Um, and then one night somebody thought, why don't we just throw in a, uh, this story about one of Edgar Allan Poe stories? And then, oh, you did crazy, but okay, we try it. And the place sold out. And so eventually the guy who owned the theatre sold it to the guy who was doing, uh, throwing all the buckets of blood about the stage. And he effectively turned it into um, a series of short plays they would have um, they would have one really grotesque play, one comedy, one really grotesque play, one sex farce, and then end with a huge big gallon of blood. And it, was, it wasn't it was supernatural horror. It would be something set in a lighthouse where one of them would sniff too much paraffin, go completely mad and, uh, and kill all his friends. Or there would be a revolt in a, in a lunatic asylum and the lunatics would burst out and they'd, they'd pull out people's eyeballs live on stage and God, them. I wish I could have been they'd, there. They'd burn people's faces off on paraffin heaters and, and, and it would crackle and there would be steam and people would go, ah, with half their face dripping off. And um, there, were, there were several technicians who happened to work with several um, authors and several directors and several actors, all who came together in a perfect storm of brilliance, all excited. Um, proto Tom Savini's um, and Rick Baker's doing all this special effects um, and the the nice polite uh, bourgeoisie absolutely adored it um, and people would go there and there, there would be two types of seats because it, it, and the other thing to say about this is it was a decommissioned church that was right down the end of a very long alleyway and it's now a, it's now a cinema um, and you can still go and visit it. And there's a little plaque up saying this is where the Grand Guignol used to be. Um, and the very last performance of the Grand Guignol in 1963 was actually filmed. Um, and it's in a Mondo, um, uh, uh, you, know, you know, those films. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mondo Macabro and Mondo Wobbly, Mondo Cannibalissimo, um, at mini world of... Um, it, there, somebody actually filmed the very last performance of the Grand Guignol um, and, Cat, and that's the only real um, record we have aside from the plays and aside from lots of photographs and um, there's one or two films as well about it and there's some fabulous books about uh, the Grand Guignol um, but it's fascinated me um, for me years too. and years and, I, and I've read everything I can about it because it's this idea of, of, of turning up I, I was going to say about the fact that um, the, the stalls um, were kind of quite common, but um, 
the boxes would actually have gauze curtains across them. So you could see out, but it couldn't be seen in. And the reason you couldn't see in is because people used to go to the Grand Guignol to watch the sex farces, uh, get all excited, then watch the horror and gore and fuck. And half the audience was actually fucking <laughs> on stage. People <laughs> sawn off. And there's, there's, there's talks of like, if you sat in the wrong seats, people would get hit in the back of the head with... <laughs> if you sat in the wrong seats, you get sprayed by the viscera coming off the stage. And if you sat in the wrong seats, slightly underneath the boxes, you get hit with other types of viscera <laughs> up the boxes. So you kind of had to go in a raincoat. Uh, <laughs> oh my God, I wish I was there. <laughs> I was like, oh, I was so would have loved to have gone. Oh and my God, me too. <laughs> That's, and you know, we, we talked about this the first time we tried to record. And I, I had never heard of it. I, I mean, I've taken all kinds of literature classes and I have never once heard about it. So thank you, American school systems and education systems for letting lot, us down. All the really good stuff, you know, it's not steamed. Yeah. Yeah. But then I, have, I can fall back um, on the fact that it's very, 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 very unlikely anyone will ever study my work uh, as a school curriculum, which is a wonderful thing. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. You would I think be suck surprised. On, suck on you's got some real value to it as far as Midnight academics Glory. go. Oh, the bed of Crimson Joy. That one's perfect. I mean, these are thesis quality. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Also, I think it's time to bring back the Grand Guignol. I'm just saying. I completely not going to happen in the U.S. I can tell you that. But all Europeans, I think um, you need to do this for me because I'll buy a plane ticket. They did actually in the 1920s. They did um, uh, export it. There was in New York. The Grand Guignol came across for about six months didn't quite catch on unfortunately and they did oh. run in a very 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 upper crust stiff upper lip um totally no blood but we'll do the show but we just don't say the blood in and it ran for about two years maybe five years in britain as well was that during prohibition because they were all full of they were full of shit during that decade <laughs> They were a bunch of America was totally full of shit during Prohibition. I'm, so, I'm sorry, are you talking about the 1920s or now? Because it's about the same. Yeah. <clears throat> you right, you right. Jasper's like, I... I can't talk on that. <laughs> I, I can't talk on this. Have a conversation. Too many, well... on too many different sides of every argument that I have. Great. And these facts I, and opinions look so similar. <laughs> what, what day is this? I don't mind talking with either extreme because I can't. It's the same argument as you say, just from from slightly different angle. Uh. Well, my friends, we are going to take a very quick break and give some love to Godless, and we will be right back to hit sweet. Jasper Bark with the rapid fire four. Hold on, we will be back. Bye. Hey, kids. 
Looking for a way to affordably access the best and wildest independent extreme horror currently in existence? Godless Horrors is the place to be. Go to www.godless.com to gain access to thousands of extreme horror and splatterpunk books from the genre's best and brightest independent authors. Godless Horrors offers every title in their catalog in a variety of formats to ensure compatibility with your favorite digital reading device. Strapped for cash? No worries. Godless has a fantastic collection of free titles ready for instant download, with other titles in their collection rarely exceeding $3 to $4. Again, go to www.godless.com or download the app and tell them what the fuck you're looking for. Come join the Godless tribe today. Forever delightfully deviant. Forever Godless. <laughs> All right, we are back. We are back. I was going to show my play collection really fast, but you didn't give me time. Go ahead. I mean, Hold the show on. is not over. I know. Hold on. I got to figure out how to flip this around. We're going to get a whole, a whole ass tour. You are. House. My GCI bill. Oh, yeah. This is just my library room. Do know that there, there are two collections of Grand Guignol plays as well. <laughs> Where can That's I get them? Amazon? Um, yeah, I think they are. That's it. That's it. That's, That's it. That's just the play collection. That is a nice play collection, Christina. Thank you. Thank you. Huh? <laughs> huh? What did I do? Wow. It is amazing <laughs> how quickly a podcast episode can go straight into the toilet. All it takes is like three seconds of awkward silence <laughs> to kill an entire episode. <laughs> hey, you ready? I'll my best, ready to drag us down. I'm ready. I'm ready now. All right, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. We're going to do first? four questions, four answers, zero time. Think ahead. We will need an answer immediately. Um, I know that uh, way back in the day when you were just a young tree person, that they used one of your legs to make baby Jesus's manger, and then that leg grew back. But if you answer incorrectly, I'll take the other leg. Okay. All right, so here we go. Let's do the damn thing. Go ahead, Christina. Give me, give me heartburn. Uh, heartburn. That doesn't sound. That sounds like a you problem, not a. It really is. You should see my diet. Um, uh, My question (laughs) is: What character of yours do you identify with the most, and why? Um, I think that's pro- um, it's a children's book character. It's probably Mr. Was Not Is because Aww. he's an imaginary friend. And I'm just the sort of person I think that everybody ought to have as an imaginary friend. If I didn't exist, you would need a very fevered and wild imagination to think me up. That's true. And uh, that is probably the best answer we've received all season. Yes. Congratulations. So far. <laughs> so far. Good. <laughs> so what's your favorite story that you've written? The one I'm working on at the moment, the thing is, um, every single time I finish a story, it's nowhere near as great as it was up here in my head. It's nowhere near as wonderful in that orgasmic moment of inspiration that sent me flying to a keyboard to write it. It's, it's purged, it's out of my system. It's 
it's kind of gone from that nebulous realm of like, oh my God, wouldn't that be awesome to like, oh my God, I've ruined it again. Um, so every single time that I sit down to write a new story and get excited before I've actually completely spoiled it and just put it out into the world and turned it into an object from which I can just extract some cash, in the moment I'm feverishly writing it, that's always my most favorite story because this is my one chance to redeem myself, to prove that actually I can write, even if everything else I've written today sucks. So does this mean I can assume that we'll be getting new Jasper Bark material in the near future? That is not uh, one of the rapid fire four questions, but I want to know. I am, I'm, I'm actually finishing up a trilogy of novels that was going to be one novel. It's turned into three. Um, and I have actually, um, uh, I'm in the process of negotiating with Crystal Lake Publishing to bring out series and to effectively turn most of my work into a kind of goosebumps for grown-ups or a sexed up um, scary stories to tell in the dark. So what's this space? So um, and, and effectively, I have got not just this trilogy of novels, but another three books worth of material also waiting. It's I'm all ready. Yes. So it, it, mm, in, the, in the coming months soon, there should be something issuing forth from the gaping maw that is Crystal Lake Publishing into the sweaty fists of Amazon. Yes! And it's the best work yet. It's the best thing I've ever written. And I just, I just want to tell everyone who's not watching us, Marianne is filing her nails and it looks like she's like giving her, giving like a hand job to her file nail. That's why I keep busting up laughing. It's because there'll be certain times where it'll be like this and she's doing this. And she has like this really odd expression on her face. But, um, and I, I just say, just before you said that, that kind of the <laughs> noise of excitement that we're issuing from her didn't sound like she was the one giving the hand job. <laughs> you got I know. So what? I've been if That's you've been watching my, her reaction. ADHD self-soothing anxiety thing. It's been instead cracking of, me up the whole instead time. Instead of picking at the skin on my thumb, I try to file yeah. down the skin on my thumb so that there's nothing to pick. Yeah, just like that. <coughs> yeah, just, just like this. Come on, Christina, come on. Yeah, come on, let's do it. Woo! Stop it. Stop it. You're making this so dirty. Who's going to play first? <laughs> I've been at it for a long time, so... <laughs> Um, let's see here. Um, sorry, questions. <laughs> you know, it, it, we always go off the rails, so this isn't anything oh, new. Oh, is there a literary genre that you would like to try? Probably hard boiled fiction, hard boiled noir. I was gonna I, say I, like uh, crime noir. Yeah, kind of. I um, I, I'm I'm not a cozy crime person, I'm, although. I know there are some absolutely fabulous cozy crime um, books out there, but I do like the the, the noir fiction, the hard bold, gritty, David Sin City Fitch. style, yeah. LA confidential. Tim Thompson, uh, that type of you know angst-ridden men with the weight of the world on their back, meeting exactly the wrong person, exactly the wrong time. There are two people taking a long walk off a short pier. Um, and everything in their life collapsing at the wrong moment. It's um, it, it is kind of almost classical, um, and so yeah, that is uh, a genre that I read endlessly, um, and love um, every bit as much as I love horror fiction. And I've never actually turned my hand to it, 
So, so maybe that's one I'd like to explore. Interesting. Cool. Have you read and any? I'm, I'm very curious to know because she seems to be the, the today is like primo thriller author. But have you read written read any Karen Slaughter? My wife's read loads, and I've got I've got loads of her books myself, and I keep thinking, oh, I must. I probably would like her. I have a couple of books from her on my shelf and have yet to read them because I don't I like thriller I grew up loving Mary Higgins Clark and I I just adored her and so I feel like Karen Slaughter is just like a modern day somewhat grittier Mary Higgins Clark and yet I haven't been able to bring myself to read them so I was gonna say if you've read any just wanted to check in and see if there were any you Uh Uh, yeah, we'll have to explore. I'll get back to you on that one. Modern day stuff, Don Winslow is absolutely awesome. George Pelicanos is fabulous. Dennis Lehane, anything he writes, anything he writes is utterly, utterly wonderful. There's another author whose name, female author whose name completely escapes me. It'll come back to me or it won't. And I'll, I'll send you and you, we can leave it in the comments below. Yes! <laughs> Oh, and her name escapes me because I just was endlessly quoting male names there, which was, seems a bit lacking in diversity. Well, are there any any authors, living or dead, that you would take the opportunity to co-author with or collaborate with? I'd, um, I've been asked this question before. Um, and I, I do enjoy collaboration, but I'd kind of, I'd kind of like, in a Dr. Frankensteinian way, probably to um, to kind of like build my own ideal writing partner. I'd kind of like to stitch together a few authors. You know, it'd be kind of quite to kind of have the the, the wonderful. Just ignore them. Ignore them. <laughs> <laughs> that was another word from our sponsor. So you would you would basically have to create like a homunculus of a oh, co-author or uh, nicely stitched together. Um, <laughs> the wonderful plotting and the fabulous endings of of Robert Block mixed, you know, with the kind of amazing eldritch imagination of H.P. Lovecraft, minus any of the racism. Um, mixed with kind of the visionary genius of Clive Barker, oh. uh, probably um, with with the the wonderful atmosphere and the characterization that comes from both Lisa Tuttle um, and Ramsey Campbell, who are favourites of mine when I was just beginning to to. Uh, in fact, actually, all of these authors were authors that I read before I was a teenager, and have um, basically helped to completely. Um, form my understanding of, of what I actually look for most in horror. And actually earlier on today in the, the uh, Books of Horror Facebook group, uh, the lovely Ramsey Campbell actually gave a little mention. Somebody had endlessly people were saying, hey guys, could you recommend any sort of this type of book to me? Um, um, somebody had very lovely, uh, several people had mentioned the book I'd written, Quiet Places, and Ramsey chipped in and said, yes, I would, I would definitely recommend this book. Um, and I, I, so that, that was actually, um, aside from chatting with you guys, that was the other high point of my day, seeing Ramsey Campbell jumping on a post, because Ramsey Campbell is like the greatest living English author of horror. Right? 
So if you could stitch all those authors together in one vast, horrible, kind of like monstrous thing, I, then I would probably sit down next to them with a typewriter, probably like the ending of Frankenstein you know, on an iceberg, on an ice floe somewhere, floating out somewhere in the Antarctica. The two was fighting over putting in the bit of paper and trying to write. And me going, but I used to love you. <laughs> <laughs> they do say you should never, never meet your idols. Never meet your idols. <laughs> right. you know, I sent a friend request on Facebook to Ramsey Campbell and was shocked when he accepted it. Number two, almost passed out when the man private messaged me just to get to know me, just to like, learn about me and know who I am and like didn't even ask me if I've read his books or anything like that I was oh, like wow. I, I basically I was like I can't believe you're messaging me you're an icon and a legend I was like I grew up reading your books like this is unbelievable I just sent your friend quest on a whim because I thought well hey it's Ramsey Campbell <laughs> what can it right. hurt I'm a book reviewer and he was like oh yes darling it's fine <laughs> thank you so much for reading my books I was like hey you're welcome Second, can yeah. I just tell you how much a Barker and Bark collaboration sets my brain on fire? <laughs> I cannot think of two better suited authors than you and Clive Barker. And now I'm not going to be able to stop obsessively thinking about this thing. Does anyone know how we get in contact with Clive Barker? You could try. It was Ramsey Campbell. Ramsey Campbell used to have this column in a magazine called Halls of Horror, which came out in the very, very early 80s, 1982, I think. And um, he had this column and he mentioned in it, there's a book coming out, he said, next month by an author you won't have heard of. It's called Clive Barker. It's called Books of Blood, Volume 1. This is the <laughs> even before Stephen King spotted him, Clive Bar Ramsey Campbell said, so I went on, because I'd read everything by Ramsey at that point, I went to the bookshop and ordered it. And I, and I used to have all, uh, and I was about 12 years old totally blew my nothing never read anything and that was the the first um volume had in the hills the cities in the end which is still like one of the greatest short stories ever written in the 20th century let alone one of the best stories in our genre uh, blew my mind away um so i've never met clive barker he did actually give a quote that appeared on the back of one of my books but the reason for that was um uh, uh, my publisher at the time, Rebellion, um, they they owned a character called Slain, who's kind of like a Celtic Conan character that he ah. had to uh, make a movie out of. It never happened, but um, they um, he wanted to renew the rights, but couldn't afford the price they were they were asking for them. But they said, "Tell you what, give us a quote back of some of our books." And we'll let you have the, the right. So that's how I ended up with a quote, a Clive Barker quote on the back of a couple of my books. But that means Clive Barker read one of your books. I think he just gave them an all purpose quote, which they kind of repurposed. Um, but no. it would, it no. would be. <laughs> but he's still on. So we don't believe that. I, to think that if he did read my work, he would he would see something he would i was like some sort of insane evil progeny um, that he had helped to create <laughs> that my consciousness was somehow molded but by, by his um in, insane um writings at, at, a, at a very very seminal impressionable age 
and that and I've yet to recover and, and hopefully never will so I'm going to I'm going to make myself look like a dork because number one I've only been reading this genre for like I don't know what nine months maybe something like that I thought Clive Barker was dead he um he's been he's not time. he's he's very much alive He's very much alive, and he. I can listen to him talk all day. Have you ever heard his voice? I uh, the written and read podcast. Oh, I hear his voice from there. His voice. I can listen to that voice all day. Voice, and then when he was, I think in his late fifties, just a little bit older than I am, um, he uh, he had polyps and things removed from his voice. And he ended up with this really deep Grasskowski voice as well. It's so great. I'm gonna have to check it out because I did. I thought he was. I thought he was much, much older, but he's only like, he's 69. Oh yeah, yeah no, he started very, very young. He was. So I. He was. Yeah. Also, he um. He started his career because he started as a playwright. I just saw that. Yeah, I just saw that. And before he was a playwright, uh, he, he actually uh, he uh, came out and admitted a few years ago because he'd written in some of his stories. Some of his characters were. Um, rent boys. Uh, I don't know if you have that phrase in. Um, uh huh. It's basically like a male whore, uh, mm-hmm. and, and he um, to make ends meet, as, as many many of us did in the theatre. Um, he um, he used to uh, take male clients as well, um, but and it's also worth saying if you ever seen pictures of him um, as a young man, as an old man, he's a very 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 attractive old man. As a young man, he's absolutely jaw droppingly gorgeous. He is. Like I'm looking right at him and I'm like, okay, how you doing, Clive? <laughs> you he doing? was one of the first openly gay <laughs> horror icons. Mm-hmm. He, and the, this was like the early 80s. So when when the AIDS epidemic was sweeping <clears throat> the world, and he just straight up was like, I am who I am and you're going to like it yeah. or you're not going to like it and fuck everybody. Yeah. yeah. And, and it has to say... Um, the um, going back to in the hills, the cities, reading that as a 12 year old boy, um, and being very, very turned on by the gay sex scene. Kind of was one of those moments when you go to yourself, Mr. Mr. Bark, I think, I think there's a little more to your sexuality. Yeah, <laughs> this is more complex was... than we initially bargained for. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> Maybe I have life to thank for a lot of fun that I had in my in my life. And you know what? He will say, you are so, you're so welcome. Had <laughs> we but met before I was married? <laughs> Perhaps I, I would have been pretty enough to have been very welcomed. But anyway. Oh, I think you would have. Jasper Bark, we just love you to any bitty little pieces. We do. Well, thank you. We absolutely do. If the people would like to contact you, where is the best place for them to find you? Um, I have a website, jasperbark.com. It's about to be completely renovated. Um, I'm media. I'm at Bark Jasper on Instagram. I'm at Jasper Bark on Twitter. And I'm simply Jasper Bark on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Come and hit me up on any one of those venues, all of them. For uh, more information on Jasper Bark's full bibliography, please refer to today's show notes or 
come join us on the Mothers of Mayhem official Facebook group because guess what? Jasper Bark is a member and you can probably hit him up there as well. I'm open to being tagged and answering pointless questions. Yay! We are all really good at asking pointless questions. So I am sure. Don't don't do nudes anymore for money because I don't... I mean, you know, we all fall on hard times. You got to do what you got to do, buddy. We all fall on hard other things as well, but there you go. <laughs> well, the, rent, the rent has to be paid. If you are interested in finding either myself or Christina, look, Christina, stop the smirking and, st- and settle yourself. I am not filing my nails anymore. I'm no, he was saying a- with my hands. No, he was saying about how when rent's due, you'll do what has to be for rent. And I was like, I've never done that when I was Chrissy. Oh, I wasn't okay. always the upstanding citizen that you see before you as Christina. Well, friends, if you would like to find uh, a link to Christina's OnlyFans, you oh, or any of buffers. our other social media, look, How House Making Biscuits. Yeah, How just... House Making Biscuits. Look at that. He's making the biscuit. That's a cat ass. Hi, buddy. Uh, just as, you were, as you, we were talking about Christina, he came thing, and he gave us this like long suffering. Oh, dear. <laughs> That's how how. That's okay. That's what. That's the same look my husband gives me. So don't feel bad. So yes, if you would like links to Christina's OnlyFans as well as our other individual social media profiles, all of that can be found on my personal link tree, which you can find on uh, any of our pin posts on the FB group. Um, you can always send your questions, comments, insults to our email address, m.o.m.extremepodcast at gmail.com. That's momextremepodcast at gmail. Do not forget to send dildos to Christina. Or pictures. If you need her mailing address, and you're not going to say those words. It is always... Pictures of Zach Baggins to Mary. No. No. Yep. Zach Baggins. No. Zachy B. No. As always, a huge thank you to singer, songwriter, Amigo the Devil. I will find Baggins and I will destroy. Thank you, Amigo the Devil, for allowing us to use your song Hungover in Jonestown as our theme. Y'all, at this point in the season, if you haven't listened to at least one song by him, you need to fix yourself. Uh, Mama C, I'm not even going to ask you who we have coming to hang out with us on our next episode. God only knows at this point. Who knows? (laughs) I do know that. Did you just see how, 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 how it just like reached out and like bapped me like, mom, mom. Yeah. me. It's me. me. It's me. <laughs> um, I do know that after Jasper, we most likely will be getting visits from Eric LaRocca as well as the professor, Mr. Montague White. So stay tuned for that. Keep an eye on the Facebook group for those announcements. Uh... Oh, and Lucas Miller. Oh, yeah, Lucas Milliron! Jasper, 
Jasper, can you can you believe that Christina did not believe me when I told her that you are an ancient deciduous tree human? Can you please set her straight? No, no. Particularly as um, when, when we start recording, I'm going to take off my shirt and you can actually see the bark, which is embedded quite literally into my skin. Not to mention the saplings that I have to kind of snip every morning. I told you, bitch. I told you. But technically, I said burn the tree, people. So now I got to burn, Jack. Yeah, you know, she's prejudiced I'm against sorry. tree people. I'm sorry I brought you into this toxic space, my baby. This is not I a safe apologize. space. <laughs> this, this is not is... a safe space for you. We are getting the fuck out now. Until next time, go raise some hell children. Make your book mommies proud. Make me proud, not me. her. Me. She is prejudiced against the ancient tree people. I am. I am. Down with the tree people. Wow. You just don't give a fuck, do you? I don't. Mm. Fuck the police. <laughs> okay, bye! <laughs> that was the best we've ever done. Death is the punchline. Bye.